Hey, this is Carolyn Hennessy, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, with a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will premiere next week on this station at the usual time. We will play part two of our conversations with Kevin Spiritus and Paul Robert Coyle. Plus, we will welcome Gina Goff, producer of Senior Moment. We hope you join us for that. In the meantime, and as long as we have both Betty White and Cloris Leachman on our minds this week. We thought we'd close out our program by playing a clip from a conversation that originally aired in June 2013 with our friend Jennifer Armstrong. Jennifer's books on television include Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted and all the brilliant minds that made the Mary Tyler Moore show a television classic. Before we forget, a sexy feminism, that, that's also part of your brand, Jennifer. And if, if I get the concept right, you, you take a modern-day look at feminism uh, where, where you basically say it's okay to be a woman and a girl at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and obviously, you know, kind of related to the Mary Tyler Moore show as well. Speaking of which, when we last had you on, we talked about how Mary and Rhoda, in, in a lot of respects, were the original sexy feminists. I thought it might be fun if we, if we take a look at some of the other female characters on the show, like, for example, Cloris Leachman, uh, Phyllis Lindstrom. Where where does she fall in the sexy feminist pantheon? You know, I think she's so interesting. I was just having another conversation with somebody about this, but um, because her character is the one that's married in all of the main, uh, the main female characters we see throughout the run of the show, and she is married and she has a child, and she's really representative of kind of that old, model, you know, that was sort of, I think they needed to have that in there for the contrast, essentially, you know, she's the married woman surrounded by single girls instead of the other way around that we've seen so often before, and, you know, they kind of, you know, they could kind of poke fun of her, at her a little bit, but they, and they were also sort of lampooning the feeling, I think, at the time, and one we still struggle with, which is the trying to balance all of the things you're supposed to be so good at when you're a woman, right, she was trying to be this sexy, vibrant, creative woman who also could cook and raise her child, but raise her child in this very modern, forward-thinking, permissive way and kind of, like, also be her daughter's best friend. Like, she was just trying to be all of these things that women's magazines were telling her she should be doing, and you could see that even though she acted like she had it all under control, she didn't always. If I'm right, we never saw her husband, Lars, was it? Yeah, we, we never, never saw yeah, him. Never saw Lord. That's correct. And uh, her daughter Bess. Yes. There were at times when Phyllis was, I think, jealous of the relationship that her daughter had with Mary and even Rhoda, because they could be something that she could not. Yeah, they could truly be her friend. Phyllis was still Bess's mother. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that one great episode. They didn't do a ton of this, and I, and I actually kind of. I mean, I love the show, so I have no complaints. But I would have loved to see more of this. In fact. Um, there was an early episode where Mary essentially quote-unquote babysits best for the day, but I don't really, I mean, the girl was 12. I don't mm-hmm. think she needed that much babysitting. And then it's like having this wonderful day and running around the mall together and doing all this fun girly stuff. Um, and can you imagine how cool it would be if Mary Richards was your neighbor? Like, I would have bought Oh, that would have loved it. Oh. <laughs> now, now, would you also say Phyllis was a character who was in a position, I, I would say financially and such, when she was married to Lars, that mm-hmm. she 
she could make certain choices, you know, that that Mary and Rhoda were not able to make. I mean, Mary and Rhoda still had to go to work at the, you know, at the start of the day, still had responsibilities. Phyllis was living more of an upper middle class lifestyle. If she wanted to be one thing, she could make that choice. But when she got her own sitcom, you know, basically the the, the premise of the sitcom is that the rug was pulled out from under yeah, her. Yeah, Lars was dead. She had no money. And when she moves to San Francisco with uh, Lars's uh, uh, mother and, and stepfather, it's like she is completely clueless as to how to function in the world on her own, which is where yeah. the, the most of the humor came from. So, you know, if she wanted to be the woman who had it all, it's because she chose to be. Am I remembering an episode with Phyllis on the Mary Tyler Moore show where she does attempt to get a job and it mm-hmm. it fails miserably? Yeah, she the, can't is, do this. Is that the same one where she works at the station, at the yeah. TV station? She wanted to get a job, and she uh, there there had been a previous episode where Sue Ann had an affair with Lars and uh, right. Phyllis. I I can't remember exactly what she threatened to do to Suzanne. I mean to uh, Sue Ann, uh, but. When uh, they found out that Sue, Sue Ann was coming down the hall and Phyllis was in the room, it's like, uh-oh, we better clear. <laughs> and then, of course, when you think that there's going to be this, the biggest cat fight in the history of American situation comedy, uh, you know, uh, Phyllis just drops to her and he's, oh, please, man, give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which Cloris Leachman was able to pull off some of these incredible shifts in mood better than anybody sure. else on TV at that time. Yeah, I think I think she's such a key to this character. I mean, of course, this is the way it always works, but she's so good, and she makes it so much more than it could have been. She could have just been, like, a bored, desperate housewife, but she really has this kind of, like, wonderful, brittle quality to her where you could, you could feel that struggle almost all of the time that I was talking about. You could just sort of see it on her, like, that she's always trying to put on one face when really she is struggling so much, but she's trying to act like she's got it all together together, and she's so much better than these women because she's married, when in fact that's not necessarily the case. And I think the tragedy of Phyllis Lindstrom was that she never gets to realize her full potential. Mm-hmm, exactly. And you can feel all that, can't you? Like, because yeah. oh, yes. is so good, you can, you can feel it all right there in this intangible way. She gets at that, and I think it came, honestly, from from a personal place for her, and it really, it res- I mean, she did get to be everything she could be, but I think she felt for this character who maybe was stuck in a life that she, she herself dreaded, so it, it came through really nicely. I think Tony mentioned Sue Ann, uh, Sue Ann Nevin, uh, Betty White's character. Now, this is interesting. Before we, before we start recording... Jennifer, uh, Donna and I were talking, and when I was talking to Donna about sexy feminism, to me, Sue Ann Nivens would not be a sexy feminist, but Donna said no, she was. Oh, yes, most definitely. She was in control of her life, her career, and her sexuality. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, she's certainly, I mean, she's very sex positive, that's for sure. Oh, yes, that's Um, that's interesting. You know, and she is embracing, you know, very female arts essentially, which is a very modern feminist take in a way. It's like that idea of going back and saying, like, no, you know, domestic arts are okay. It's okay if you want to do that stuff. Um, And she really does. I mean, you can't say she isn't empowered. The only real, I think, chink in her feminist armor is perhaps her penchant for 
dating other people's husbands. Well, <laughs> yeah. Nobody's perfect. Maybe that's not like the most, but I always say you don't have to be a perfect feminist in order to be a feminist. So um, we wouldn't kick her out of the club necessarily, but that would not be her finest moment. Um, but yeah, I think she's, you know, she's struggling with a lot of issues herself and certainly, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing because you don't feel like this show was so heavy handed in its feminist imagery when you watch it because it isn't. It feels really authentic but if you look at it, you see like so we have these two single girls who are kind of opposites but love each other and then you've got the married woman and then you've got this. Sue Ann is like <laughs> this cauldron of conflicted femininity. What? You know? I mean, she's wearing super frilly stuff and acting really sort of has that sweet veneer um, and hosting a domestic arts show and also having lots of unapologetic sex with whomever she pleases. <laughs> but do you think There's the a fact around there. Jennifer Armstrong, author of Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted and all the brilliant minds that made the Mary Tyler Moore show a television classic from a conversation that originally aired in June 2013. Jennifer's latest book, When Women Invented Television, is due out later in 2021. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. A reminder that Betty White's The Pet Set, the complete series, is available on DVD through MPI Home Video. You can find it wherever DVDs are sold. It is also available for streaming on demand on all major platforms. Also a reminder that Beaming Up and Getting Off Life Before and Beyond Star Trek by Walter Koenig is available through our friends at jacobsbrownmediagroup.com as well as amazon.com and wherever books are sold online. That'll do it for our program this week, folks. Ed Robertson, Baff, Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, Phil Grace, and Greg Airbar. Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next time on TV Confidential. You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415 415- 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.